What is up, everybody? This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. Um, opinion besides just myself and Ian's opinion. And without further ado, Mike, let's talk about last night and uh, uh, your opinion on what happened uh during uh uh this game go ahead mike mike you there oh shit i think we lost him yep son of a bitch mike you there yeah sorry about that no all right go, go ahead go ahead uh so i was just teeing it up uh we're, we're trying to get your opinion on this game and your thoughts of Billy Napier's future at Florida as well. I mean, he'll be back next year. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, the whole thing, like, bottom line, you could record aside, unless he was going to, like, go defeated, he's going to come back ne next year because it's uh, just had a co contract, just a couple things. One, how his uh, contract structure, so he's always getting year three. But a lot of, uh, the main thing a lot of people aren't realizing is, uh, Scott uh, Strickland, who, I mean, I loathe him, but I'm pretty sure everybody does. His job is most likely tied into Billy. So Billy's going to get every every resource available, as he should, to. Um, but Scott Strickland's going to go above and beyond um, a lot more than he would for this hire because he can't ha uh, mess up another head coaching hire, especially football at the University of Florida, and expect to keep his job. So um, next year is a whole different story, obviously. Um, there's, I mean, hard schedule. However, um, uh, we know we are returning a lot of people. But in just in terms, I mean, we were ranked this year. We got a, we got the road win that we couldn't get. We have a nice win over Tennessee at home. And, you know, there's some opportunity to finish the year. We're one game from being bowl eligible. Um, but – the funny thing is that people for the season, everyone knew it was a rebuild. Billy said that when he was hired, it was a rebuild. And I know he's he had you know far from being perfect, but Vegas had the season at five and a half. We have five wins, so people just want to make up narratives because it's convenient, or they see some stuff on Twitter, and it's like, dude, um, Vegas, Vegas. So once again, Vegas is a, it's going to come down to wire. I think we finished with six wins. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I I fully expect him to be back. Yeah. Um uh I just I guess I'm the most frustrated thing about the last couple of games, you know, I saw someone post about it where it's like Arkansas scored 39 against this defense and then the week before and the week after scored like 3 points and it's like it's um I don't know. I mean, I I know a lot of the issues are, you know, people making bad angles on tackles, poor tackling to begin with. And, you know, it's it's just frustrating because, you know, some guys are in position while other guys are not on defense. And then, you know, there's a lot of young guys as well. But um, like from last night uh, with the LSU game, um, you know, what I mean – Obviously, what 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 I think like a lot of people have called for for like most of this year has been a change in offensive philosophy, maybe play calling, maybe taking Billy off of that. But you know, scoring thirty five against an SEC opponent and uh, scoring thirty what is it thirty six the week before? Yep. You know, it's like it's it's not like they haven't been scoring. Like you know, Trey Wilson is a great part of this offense. Trevor Etienne has scored three TDs in, uh, what was it, last night, and then had a remarkable game overall. I mean, honestly, that run game was running people over in the, uh, in the middle third of the game. Like, they had, they had their way with uh, the LSU defense for the most part, except for, like, two, three and outs that really kind of, um, you know, brought the offense down. But I don't know. I um, I guess you know you could also point out that people have been complaining about the special teams as well. But last night was probably the best game that the special teams had all year, and they they you know they got that turnover that resulted in a touchdown. And it's like, I don't know, um, Mike, what do you uh, what do you see that 
Billy Napier has to do in this offseason to really move this team forward and, uh, uh, you know, build the, the confidence of the fan base back up. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, last thing on that, um, him being back, they're not paying the $30 million buyout right after the Mullen escapade. So um, what does he need to do? He needs to make some um, offseason um, – he needs to make some high, um, hirings and firings. My opinion, uh, we definitely need the O-line. Uh, uh, yeah. O-line coaches need to go. Uh, my main big thing on um, is uh, discipline, and they're not disciplined. I know a lot in the day that comes back to the head coach, but uh, especially when you have two O-line coaches, I'm not, I don't mind it, but you know, you, that, if you have two, you need to be that much superior than the rest of um, your position groups. Um, I, I think uh, I like Billy G. Appreciate what he's done. It was you know hired late in the, in the um, coaching carousel. I think he needs to go as well. I like Jaluk. Um, I wouldn't mind if Mike P is gone. And one um, coach chaos is to me is underwhelming. Um, I wouldn't mind if he stayed, but um, we still don't have a nose tackle. You know, it's um, I've been harping this for years, and you know. Uh, it's kind of important, you know, as you can see, once you have, you know, set up the middle, it kind of changes things. So, um, and I haven't seen a lot of development there, just to be honest with you. So, um, I, you know, honestly, just a major, besides Jaluk, I don't think anyone should be safe on the offensive side. And if, and if I see one or two defensive folks go, I'm okay with that as well. And like you were saying, alluding to previously with uh, Billy, I mean, listen, Billy's not an excellent play caller. Um, has he improved drastically? Absolutely. I think he can be above the average, but you shouldn't expect above the average of Florida. So, I mean, we, I know for a fact we're, we are going to get a new OC. So I'm okay with that. So, I mean, yeah. that's why when people complain week over week about play calling, like you're just you're yelling at a wall. Like, dude, it's not going to change. We're not getting a new play caller, especially him being the head coach. He can't delegate. It's a whole political fiasco. So, um, but it has improved and it's not the reason we're losing games. So at the same time, <clears throat> pardon me. You hear people, I'm sure you've seen the timeline and everything, and, you know, play the young guys. Well, if the young guys aren't ready, it's just like – and then they are, the same people say play the young guys, say argue about the wins. You can't have both because yeah. sometimes the young guys aren't ready. So that 85-yard touchdown run, yeah, that was mostly on Jakeem. It was Thornton, Thornton and Jakeem, yeah. all two freshmen. Um, Jakeem, the one thing a corner can't do is give up the edge. That's yeah. – he run down, he ran down the edge, and people said it's holding this. That long story short, you can't give up the edge, and that's where he went down. That's a true freshman. That's a true freshman mistake. He'll learn from that. But people aren't going to say they're going to just blame Armstrong automatically. They're not going to be like, "Well, you have a true freshman there," and it's just like people don't. People are consistent, but the main problem with the defense is the linebackers. Linebackers are absolutely atrocious. It like I. Every – the main – the Kentucky game, linebackers. The Tacklana game, I just looked at about five plays on the runs. Line, it's linebacking fits. They're not great. Scooby's awful. James is – nah. But um, we need a linebacker. Um, the room needs to be overhauled. And um, it's not Bateman and because he's an excellent coach. So, um, just if they actually looked at their run fits, like – they're literally just guessing out there. They can't break down. It happened to LSU. You know, Scooby missing uh, tackles. Um, it, it It's just a lot of this. Honestly, it's not this bad, but when you, the linebacking fits. I think Ben Trell covered and Bernie last year because he yeah. played, played on Sundays right now. He's starting. They covered up so much um, just with decent fits. Yeah, I mean, you saw that play with, like, Wingo getting blasted at the end of the game, and it was like, I mean, it was yeah. almost like a, a like you know microcosm of the whole year. Like you know, Wingo is much bigger than that running back, and he just got obliterated. And it's like, man, he couldn't even get off that block. He just, I don't know. I'm. Yeah, you don't want to hear my comments on Wingo. It's. <laughs> it's no, good I... for... no, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good, man. No, he's just uh, he's a converted DN. I mean, he's a nice kid. He's, he's mature a lot. He's just not he's not a good linebacker. We don't have good linebackers. Shamar James, athletic, he tackles in space. Okay, cool. But he does his run fits. He's not a natural linebacker. He doesn't have the instincts. So a linebacker comes out an instinct. Control Miller, uh, most notably David Reese. A lot of people, oh, he wasn't athletic, but he was 
he's in my opinion our best linebacker uh, and since like a, like a deck since like Pierce or Anzalone something like that. Oh, mm. Yeah, that's like almost ten years. A while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, Ian, uh, th- let me hear some of your thoughts on yesterday as well before we let Mike go. But uh, what 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 did you think of this game yesterday? I mean, it, it honestly played out as I expected. I knew Florida was going to play well, but they didn't have enough firepower to keep up, and that's when it ultimately came down to. You can coach, you can play call as well as you can. The point of the matter is, is that LSU has better talent and Florida's defense has consistently regressed as we went on. Before we went into this week, I remember saying if Florida struggled against Arkansas and gave up 39 points on defense, God help them against LSU. And they they gave up a program record, which I wasn't even surprised. I was like, yeah, of course they were going to. If there was any team to do that, it would have been that LSU team. Um, I will say if you're going to find bright spots, yeah, the offense played well. Um, the run game was very well executed. And like I said, well, run game complements the, you know, passing game, um, Mertz plays as well as the run game is. Um, but yeah, defensively, I mean, like I saw that 85 yard run and I was like, yeah, of course I was just numb to it because it, the defense has just consistently regressed. I know, you know, we had a lot of, you know, hype around beginning of the year. I know injuries have taken a toll, but I agree just, you know, you're dealing with a lot of freshmen, dealing with a lot of kids that just can't set the edge because they keep over-pursuing, they keep, you know, can't wrap it up. And that's not going to get – that's not going to fly in the SEC. Um, You you can't get by. And that goes back – I said – I told my cousin this. I said, Florida right now is a very good team in an elite conference. And th- I just – I want – they're good, like maybe in like other conferences they could probably sneak a few wins, but there's just too many teams better than them. They're just straight up. Um, you can and you can blame the recruiting from the years past. You can blame play calling, all that stuff. But a lot of the times Florida is their own worst enemy. So – Really, there's nothing more you could do about it. I will say, like, you know, again, penalties were at least kept down to a minimum as they were in the past couple of weeks. Um, but overall, with the LSU game, it's about what I expected. I expected LSU to really just win it in a shootout and run up. And they did. Florida played as well as they possibly could being out outmanned and, you know, outnumbered. Um, but the better team won and won convincingly. It, it went as expected. Okay, um, real quick, let's talk about uh, the Jimbo Fisher stuff. Um, uh, Mike, what do you think with this Jimbo Fisher stuff that Texas A&M goes after? Do they go after Dan Lanning? Do they go after – I don't even know. I mean, like, at this point, it's so early. I think they got the jump better than anyone else. I think they're one of the first college teams to fire their coach right now. So they have such a head. Start. Well, willingly without a you know scandal. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but so so Mike, who who do you think Texas A and M goes after? Like 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 top two or three? You think are possibilities? Yeah. Boise got rid of theirs today too. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about Boise. Bates, uh, OC's gone. Um, I mean, Dan Lanning's the only guy you can go after. That's what I was talking to people about. And, and I think Dan Lanning's, you know, long, he's waiting for the proper job in the SEC. Uh, he, he came into a, a, a good situation. The Mario left him, Crystal Ball, and uh, he elevated the program. So, it can, you know, he he's definitely the number one coach on the market. He can write his own price tag, write his own check better yet. And, uh, they have the money. So uh, the problem is, you know, AM, it's a, uh, they've won for a reason. It's, it's a weird program. I mean, you get the talent. It's just, they've literally never won anything. So, yeah. Um, but no, besides landing, cause I was kind of messing around. I'm like, all right. Cause people want to hypothetically say you fire Billy. I'm like, all right, who do you want? It's, you say, besides Dan Lanning, like there's nobody out there. Yeah. Dan Elko. Okay. Dan Elko's a very good coach, but can he recruit? Yeah. It's, it's not just coaching. It's not just discipline. It's not just play calling. It's recruiting. So, all right, you know for a fact, for example, like Billy can recruit at a top five level. He can he can recruit elite quarterbacks year over year. 
there's maybe a handful of people in the country that can do that at the university, at a large university. So, uh, Dan Lanning is, is, I mean, uh, Elko, um, it's gotta be in the top five, but, uh, any people, Kansas coach, maybe, uh, what's his face? Uh, Arizona, maybe I thought about Kansas, but the problem yeah. is he's at Kansas. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? You're always at, I mean, he's at a power of five. That's a plus, but it's a heavy risk going yeah. from, I mean, he's in the same region. So, you, um, you don't, you don't have to worry about, you know, will he make it, uh, will he, does he know that area? Like maybe the Arizona head coach, but I mean, there's like, there's like three guys. I mean, if you go back to when Napier was high, for example, it was with Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley. Now Lincoln Riley, look what he's doing with Caleb, Caleb Williams. Yeah. Four in a row. Brian Kelly. I mean, in my opinion, his, he'll never win a national championship. Um, he's a damn good coach. He's just, he's a ceiling. So everyone wants to see all these names, but it's, you you got to have a plan in place. That's why sometimes it's better just to be patient. Like if you wound up being patient, it's paying dividends. Yeah. So, I mean, like, honestly, it's kind of like Elko, maybe the Kansas coach, Arizona coach, but I mean, Lanning, it's kind of like you got to go all in on. And um, unfortunately for Oregon, like they keep hiring coaches who don't want to be there, in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't get it. It's, it's year over year it's happening, but because it's a good program. Uh, yeah, Nike money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nike money, it's pretty much them out there. They cannot recruit uh, Lincoln Riley, who doesn't like, like recruiting. Um, uh, oh, the other guy you can maybe, and this is uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. But Lane, Lane Kiffin doesn't like recruiting, but he's up. He, he'd be up for the task, in my opinion, if you throw him the bag. I think that's – I honestly, yeah, I'm going to go with those two. I'd say Lane Kiffin and uh, Dan Winnie. Yeah, and, you know um, – the money is there at AM, you know, like it is one of the biggest endowments. I think it's the biggest endowment in all of us, uh, uh, college sports. And, you know, they, they're going to put a ton of money towards the recruiting. Obviously they had the number one recruiting class. What was it not last year, but the year before the year that. before. Yeah, and, it was. and so, you know, they have clearly proven that they will put money towards recruits. Uh, especially in the age of NIL and um, you know, they just need someone to fit their, their weird culture there. And uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're the good salt of the earth people, but it's a little weird there. I don't know. I've been there. I was, yeah. Been, kind of... <laughs> yeah if you've been there, you can agree with me. Like it's, it, it's, it's one of one. Yeah. You can't hundred percent. The only way to explain it, you got to go there. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is the only way to explain it because it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing like for like 200 miles in a like circumference around that. And it's yeah. like the only thing. And like you got to be all in on that culture if you're going to be an A&M person. And I get it because there's nothing else there. But, um, you know, with the 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 termination of uh, of Jimbo now. They can get that behind them and move forward because there still is a decent amount of talent on that roster. If someone could step in, you know, uh, not necessarily in like a, an urban fashion, like an urban Meyer fashion where he came in when Zook recruited, but maybe something similar. If someone is like a young, talented coach that could come in like Dan Lanning, maybe he can turn that uh, that program around um but anyways uh mike i appreciate you coming on dude um definitely i'm gonna get you to come on more um but uh i thank you for your time and uh we'll talk to you soon brother thanks guys all right later of course i wanted to say too um speaking of the head coaching positions there are two others honestly i think it's going to be elko former defensive coordinator top you know defense in the country those couple years i think it's going to be elko there's two more though i have seen that i could actually maybe hedge they want the flashy one i mean technically they could go after cliff kingsbury i don't think that's the right hire but if they want a flashy one that's the one i I mean mean, that would make sense because of the ties to a&m and him being there during their 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 heyday um and then going to tech and 
but he's Ohio been so record. he's been so underwhelming as a head coach that that I mean the only real interest in bringing Clinsbury Clinsbury back would be if he is the OC and not yeah. the head coach. That would be and I don't think at this point he's where is he at now? He's somewhere. I think he's like an like offensive analyst or something or uh, oh he's at SC. He's, he's at, at SC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's at SC. So He's obviously trying to, you know, do the like Nick Saban, you know, resurface type thing, which, hey, I'm it's a smart move. But he's he's had two opportunities. He failed at Texas Tech, but somehow bailed his way out of that into an NFL co head coaching job. I don't know how that was possible. Because he, he coached Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> that's it. No, exactly. And that's really what it was. But he considering he's had one of the best quarterbacks in a generation and um he failed to do anything worthwhile at Texas Tech with him that that leads you to believe it's like even when he has the best talent he still can't um you know offensive wise he's a great mind i'm not denying that i think everyone realizes he's a fully capable offensive mind but we don't have much time Ian. so let's uh yeah. Let's just do USF real quick, and yep. then I'll let you go. Um, the last one I was okay. going to mention was Jeff Taylor, UTSA. He would be a great hire because he used to be a high school coach, got a bunch of ties. To is, he, the, is he the head coach at UTSA? Yes, he is, and he was a high school coach for years at Texas. He would have great connections for recruiting. That's the last one. <laughs> and I did see his name mentioned. I, I I didn't remember his name, but I did see a link with – it said the head coach of UTSA. So that would make sense because it's already – built into a pipeline there and a lot of connections. Um, you never know. At this point, I think the AM crowd is probably willing to look outside the box a little bit because they tried, you know, going after a big name coach with a lot of money and it failed miserably. Yep. And, um, you know, I think they could go a route like a UTSA, which has plenty of offense. He's done quite well considering they've been um, a group of five team uh, that was in, they were in conference USA and then now they're in the American conference. So, okay, let's talk about USF and then I'll, I'll let you go. But um, so, you know, I kept uh, my, uh, I kept looking on my phone cause I didn't have uh, the ESPN plus. So I was just checking, you know, the like ESPN app, and seeing the game cast thing where you could like mm -hmm. check to see where the ball was and like yeah. what the down and distance and everything is and the time. And I'm just like, oh man, what is going on? And it's like they had the ball with like seven minutes left and they just bleed out the clock. And I'm like, that is amazing right there because they have not done that yet. I know they've been like some chances where games have gotten tighter and they haven't been able to specifically do something like they did. Uh, Saturday, but that was amazing, especially that uh, Sean Atkins catch on that oh, third yeah. down. And you know, five wins already surpassing all of the wins that Jeff Scott had in uh, two and a half years to almost nearly three years of football. I mean, it's not great right now because the defense is obviously terrible, but you know, considering the offenses one of the better offenses in the country and uh, Byron Brown is, uh, you know, on the verge of becoming a superstar that like everyone's going to know about by the start of next year, especially if he stays at USF. So it's like, I am really excited about the future for this team. Alex Golish is proving himself every week. He says the right things. He takes accountability. He doesn't make excuses. You know, he doesn't take any gruff. And I I appreciate it. As a guy, he's basically the same age as me. He's like 38, 39. Yeah. You know, and he's he um he's definitely a hard worker. And it it shows, man. He looks like he's trying to like instill in the kids to put in the work ethic and to put in the effort to make a difference. You know, that pick six was the difference in the game. And it like, was. you know, man, I I don't know if a couple weeks ago they would have made that kind of play, but they did. And the defense stepped up in certain aspects. And, 
I don't know. I, but Ian, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I've been talking way too much on it. Yeah. So yeah, watching the whole game, my God, they gotta make it always so like heart attack inducing. But um, for real, off the right out the gate, and this is something that needs to be addressed. As good as the win is, this does need to be addressed. USF can have these hot starts and then peter out. They need to find the consistency. Don't you know? It's like if you you know win a hundred bucks, you don't want to spend it all in one place. You want to kind of cut it out a bit. That's how I always make that analogy. But you know, right off the bat, first quarter, you're up seventeen nothing. Offense is rolling, shutting down the defense, getting a bunch of sacks. Uh, and then they just, you know, left the door open. And really, it was the defense that saved the day in the second half. This was a very bipolar game. The offense did very, especially in the third quarter, did very mediocre uh, besides the touchdown. They really couldn't get anything going. And they ha- At that point, I think they were just playing keep away, uh, which is good – but when you're playing Temple, I'm thinking, you know what? You have some leeway with the, this team. Uh, but the defense came up huge. The pick six obviously was big. All the turnovers they were able to force. And another thing I want to discuss, too, that needs to be addressed. they The points off turnovers, I, th- was, I think it was like three, maybe ten. They had four turnovers that whole game with great yeah. field position and weren't able to capitalize. You have to do that. When the yeah. team is giving you the ball, literally just handing it to you, you have to capitalize. There was, you know, yeah, they, right. missed, they missed the field goal. Then there was the one where they literally lost 16 yards and went three and out. You can't let that happen. But regardless, USF found, literally found the way to win. Um, and we talk about that a lot, but this is the truest form of it. They were trying to hang on to that lead. They were playing, you know, we've had that saying where it's like sometimes, you know, teams play not to lose instead of the win. USF was playing to win towards the end. They defense stepped up got the turnover, and then they, you know, got just enough for the first downs. Uh, they didn't make it easy on themselves. There was a lot of third down opportunities and third and ones that defense still gave up, still needs to be addressed. But they did just enough to get the win. I don't think with this type of game you can get away with it, say, like next week against UTSA or, hell, even Charlotte. But it is, you know, still impressive to see this team, you know, really get close with, you know, they were up flying high 17 nothing and then temple clawing their way back and making it much closer than it needs to be and able to put put it out like i said it's impressive to see where this usf team has gone regardless like say it, it doesn't work out and they miss the bowl game which would be disappointing and it would suck it is still i'm beyond impressed with this team just like you've said just watching the team it, you can tell it's a world of difference I mean, they've had their clunkers, especially the Florida Atlantic game. But, again, they're expected. They're at least fighting to play to win the game. They don't fold. They want to win. And I think that it is in some of the coaching staff. I think the offensive system is working. And I like the belief that you can see of the USF team that they can go on the field. And depending on the opponent, they, they or really any opponent, they feel like they can win the game. They want to go toe-to-toe, and they'll do anything possible to win the game. Yeah, I mean, this, this team – the mindset on this team is completely different from the last three, four years. And that has probably been the best um, best thing about the turnaround is the fact that, you know, it seemed like, you know, in those games where, you know, because there were certain games in the last three years where the offense could put up points, but then the defense was always struggling, always struggling. And it was like, you know, you just never had the belief that they were going to win. Now it's like they actually have that belief because they've seen it. They've done it five times. And, you know, it becomes contagious. You know, when you start to win, you start like wanting to win more. And so you're like really making an effort on plays, you know, really uh, doing what's needed to to make the difference. And you know, like you said, the four turnovers, yeah, a lot of them didn't result in points, but the one resulted in a pick six. And, you know, the other ones really stalled the temple drive. So at least you have something there. Um, you know, I know the offense is still a work in progress. You know, there's uh, the receivers in running backs are, you know, they're all right, but as as time goes on, as uh, Golish gets 
more and more of his recruits, it'll start to turn around and it'll start to be, you know, you're going to start to see, you know, crazy numbers and they're already crazy numbers, but it's like, they'll start putting up like video game numbers because it's going to mm -hmm. be so good. I mean, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Golish is going to put up uh, a top 10 offense by the time uh, either next year or maybe even in the year after, because once he's getting all these recruits that he wants, you know, he like, like you've said, we've talked about it. You know, he's got the, the best recruiting class of the group of five. And that's a huge, huge uh, motivation for um, momentum for, uh, you know, getting, you know, one, they're getting the, the on-campus stadium in a couple of years. So it's like all this momentum is building up and it's like, I, this is, it's funny, you know, it's like, sometimes you can notice like right now it's tough to notice it with Florida where like, they're like getting to that tipping point, but it feels like USF is getting to that tipping point and that they're like almost going downhill now where it's like before the last couple of years, it just felt like everything was an uphill battle and it was a struggle and they weren't able to like put things together. And now it just feels like we're, we're basically like on the way. And I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing where, where it's come from and where the potential it's going to go. But do you have any thoughts before you go? Um, no, nothing more than, I mean, just overall, I mean, USF could have played a better game. They really could have, you know, run away with it early, but again, I think they just, you know, maybe got a little too safe with it. Um, and were kind of their own worst enemy most of the game. I think that was the biggest thing too, is that they really let Temple into the game. If, if USF was playing 100%, you know, fully invested, not saying they weren't, but like really into it. They probably could have won this by a couple more scores, but they had, you know, the third down lapses, a lot of penalties, and the offense couldn't get the ball moving on crucial moments. So it could have been a much uglier score. But again, you know, for it's a lot different when I'm looking at like a Florida win with like, like this. When it's USF right now, I'll take the win. Um, and they're, you know, now you've got UTSA and Charlotte, and you one of those two, and you're going bowling. Um, that's the, I can automatically tell you. Seen after seeing the practices last week, this week, that is the mindset is any means necessary. Find that six win. Definitely. All right, dude. Well, I'll talk to you. Hopefully I can see you Wednesday. And then um, yes. if not, I will be in town the following Monday. So All I'm, right. thinking about, I'm thinking about doing a Wednesday show on campus in you at USF before the basketball game on Wednesday night, if you're down for that. Yeah, I'd be down. Absolutely. Cool. All right, brother. Well, have a good weekend and I'll uh I'll talk to you later this week. All right, man. Take care. All right, later, Ian. Okay. So the rest of the show is just me. So let's do the USC game real quick and then we'll jump into something that uh, I want to talk about. That's another coaching turmoil situation. Okay, so USC um they they kind of bounced back into this game against Oregon. Uh, the final score was 36, 27. Uh, the Trojans had a late score. I think, uh, yeah, they went for two and they couldn't convert. Um, so if they had converted, it would have been a seven point game. So it would have been a one score game. Uh, they didn't convert. So it ended up being a nine point game, a two score game, but um, Bo Nix re looked really good in this game. He put up uh, 412 yards, just destroyed this USC uh, defense again. You know, it seems to be the story with most of the teams that we cover. You know, Florida can't – Florida gives up the biggest yardage total ever. USF struggles on defense. Uh, USC struggles on defense. They gave up a total of 552 yards, um, just a – a butt whooping, you know, Oregon made a lot of plays, um, you know, with in the passing game. And, um, you know, it was, it, it was closer at the end, but Oregon was pretty comfortably ahead there. Um, you know, the offense looks great for USC and that's, 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 that's obvious with Caleb Williams, a generational talent, 
but um, you know, and a lot of other pieces, Branch, Rice, uh, Lloyd, a lot of really good pieces, just their offensive line can't really seem to block very well for Caleb. Um, you know, the defense is just atrocious and, you know, it's, they fired their, their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, and they still seem to struggle. Um, you know, it's going to take an off season to really implement a new, uh, strategy scheme and, you know, get tackling back into shape because it's just terrible. It is not good. Uh, so they lose and now they're seven and four and, you know, staring the barrel down of possibly even seven and five because they've got um, they've got UCLA next week, their last game of the year. So uh, we'll see what happens there. OK, speaking of UCLA. So uh, my friend Richard, uh, who's a 728 member, just like myself, he um, had texted or messaged me um, regarding. Uh, the situation with um, Dante Moore. Dante, you know, he uh, is not happy. His family members have been uh, saying some stuff about how he's not happy and he hasn't been happy on the sideline. You know, Richard was obviously not happy with what happened in the game, but I think you had to take the game with a grain of salt. Schley is the third string quarterback because Garbers was hurt. So um, Schley was out there and he's, he's not, you know, a very accurate quarterback. Um, and he was 11 of 18. You know, they didn't even pass that much because he's not very accurate. And he was almost about 50% completion percentage. Um, you know, they, they tried their best and their defense is very good. And they kept him in this game until the very end, until, you know, they were too tired, basically. Because at that point, I think Arizona State, Arizona State had the ball 36 minutes. Like, they just couldn't – UCLA couldn't keep the ball. And um, the the UCLA's defense, you know, tried their best. But at the end, when they needed to get a stop, they just couldn't get him off the field. They were too, they were too done at that point. And UCLA loses uh, 17-10. And, you know, with the thought process of AM now firing their coach, Boise State firing their coach, it again becomes the thing of, okay, is this cycle an appropriate cycle to fire Chip Kelly? Does it do you any good? I think if Dante Moore stays, I think UCLA poses a better path forward. They need to figure out what it is to make him happy, you know, obviously he's not happy currently. And so if they continue down this path of, you know, um, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of turmoil right now. Um, they're six and four. They have the USC game next week uh, in uh, at the Coliseum. And then they have, I think, a game against Cal the following week. So, you know, they could win these last two games and be eight and four. And eight and four is a huge step in the right direction. I think Garbers is going to be back next week, which would be huge for UCLA. Um, either way, they need to have Garbers or more play because with Schley, they don't stand a chance against USC next week, regardless of how bad their defense is. They need to be able to score points on offense. Because as much as the defense is very good, it's going to be tough to try to keep USC under like 28 points. And so if they need to score 24 plus, they're going to need to put up a, a you know a good passing attack. And with Schley, it's not not the case. Okay, so moving on to other games. Uh, the first game actually after the games that we uh, the teams we talk about, it was the Thursday game with uh, Virginia and Louisville back and forth game. Louisville had to come back in this one. They made a lot of really good plays. Uh, Garendo had that uh, 73 yard touchdown for the win. Um, just a great game to watch. You know, Virginia is not a very good team, but Louisville uh, kind of probably took them too lightly. Uh, Virginia got back in the game with a couple of uh, turnovers uh, a, a pick six 
and another turnover that really kind of changed the complexion of this game. But like I said, Louisville gets the win and now sets themselves up. I believe they clinched a berth in the ACC championship. I think they have. I'm almost positive they have because Miami now is their only other game. And I think they beat North Carolina. No, they did not play North Carolina. I don't know what the tiebreaker is with North Carolina. So I don't know how that works. Um, I do apologize for that, but I'm I'm not sure how their tiebreaker works with, with uh, North Carolina. So that means... I, I'm guessing if if I'm not seeing reports that they clinched it, that means they have to beat Miami or North Carolina has to lose or some kind of fashion. Because sometimes the tiebreaker is tied into certain things like the playoff ranking or whatever, which it could be here. Um, I'm not seeing. So, uh, But regardless, Louisville gets the win. I hope they keep winning because I want to see them go up against Florida State. And, you know, and not that Louisville is the greatest team, but at least it seems like a much better team than most of the teams that Florida State has played. Okay, moving on, uh, Michigan, Penn State. I watched a big recap of this one. Um, you know, besides Blake Corum and Edwards for uh, Penn State, you know, Donovan Edwards, they're not really – an exciting team, Michigan. I mean, their defense is strong, but like outside of those two players, they don't really have like uh, stellar wide receivers. JJ McCarthy is quite average. He had seven of eight passing for 60 yards, 60 yards passing. I know that they wanted to go into a uh, defensive back and forth, run the ball three yards a cloud of dust game, but that is not one for all you people out there trying to hype up this kid for the Heisman. That is not Heisman numbers. I'm sorry. I don't care who he is in a big time game against a big time op opponent. 60 yards passing is not going to get it done. And if you try to argue that he is a Heisman finalist, you should be thrown out. People that have Heisman votes that try to say that should have their vote taken away. Like literally, there's no reason McCarthy should be invited to New York. I don't care if he's uh, the quarterback for one of the best teams in the country. He doesn't deserve to be there. And speaking of that as well, Alar, you know, for Penn State, this kid, you know what? I'm not going to, like, bash him. He's just been, you know, average at best. And, you know, in the two games that mattered the most against Ohio State and Michigan, he came up with like completion percentages under 50%. And, you know, he got that late TD and it's, you know, he got a late TD against Ohio state as well. So you're almost saying like in uh, the 90% of regular time of football outside of garbage time, he has like no stats against these teams. And it's like, how do you expect a team like Penn state to get over the hump? And, you know, you now you have James Franklin who just cannot win these big games. He can just never beat Ohio State in uh, Michigan. He is, at this point, he's just a guy that beats all these bad teams of the Big Ten, which there are plenty. And I will say, James Franklin, guess what? You know what you got coming in? You've got USC, you got UCLA, you got Washington, you got Oregon. So you have these four really good teams coming in. So now you're going to have to play two of them uh, every year. So now instead of getting that Illinois, getting that Northwestern, that Maryland, that Indiana, that uh, Minnesota, that Nebraska, all these terrible teams that you get to feast on every year. Now you're getting two more quality teams. And so you're going to have to really actually try. So instead of where James Franklin, you know, could have easily coasted by, but you know what I will say, it will give him the opportunity now to get in the playoff because the 12 team playoff gives a team that is nine and three the chance where years past, if you were two or more losses, you were not having a chance at the playoff. You definitely, it's a different story come uh, 2024. Uh, so Michigan wins this one, 24-15. You know, this is probably the first time I've watched Michigan highlights all year. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to watch stuff where they 
beat teams easily and don't have any competition, which was uh, nine games out of the year so far for them. So um, I'm glad they finally played someone. I'm glad it was a contest and not just a, uh, you know, roll out of bed and get the 30 point win. Um, so, but until they play Ohio state, until they play in a playoff game and actually do something, please change my mind. Cause as of right now, this is what I feel about you, Michigan. I don't feel like you deserve to be one of the top, uh, top six, six, seven teams of the country. I think like Texas is a better team. I think Washington is a better team. I mean, it's just Alabama's a better team. I just don't think Michigan deserves to be there. Okay. Speaking of Alabama, Alabama wins 49-21. Uh, you know, I was amazed by this one because Kentucky has looked good in some games. You know, they they you know destroyed Florida and um, you know, they've looked bad in other games. They looked bad against Georgia. Um, they got kind of beat pretty bad against Missouri. Um, but this game, they got just the doors blown off and they lose 49-21. So Alabama, Milrow, Saban, everything is rolling right now. Milrow is defying the odds. Everyone was like, oh, this guy is not good. This guy is not an accurate thrower. I said the same thing. He is an athletic freak, and he's fast as hell, and he can make plays at all times. The no play is ever dead, and, you know, he's accurate enough, you know, which is pretty similar to what Lamar Jackson is. So it's like if he can be somewhere near Lamar Jackson, not that he's going to be that, but that he can be similar to that, you know, that goes a long way with especially a very good defense that Alabama has held Kentucky to 21 points, and I think Kentucky got a late touchdown. So it really was only about 14 points that they allowed them. Um, just another big performance for Alabama. You know, they only have two games left. I think they have a, a, a tomato can next week uh, in the cupcake week, and then they have Auburn, which they should beat Auburn. But this Auburn team has kind of come on a little lately. Um, but, yeah, Alabama – Outgained him 444 yards to 253, um, 23 first downs to 11. Just a you know a stopping overall. You know, like I said, 49-21. Okay, moving on. Uh, Texas Tech, Kansas. This was a crazy finish. It was 16 to 13 is the final score. Texas Tech wins. Uh, Kansas scored a couple of late field goals to make this a game, and then um, Texas Tech gets the ball late with like. I think it was 26 seconds left, gets down the field, kicks a field goal, wins it. Just remarkable game. Uh, Kansas had their backup in there, Ballard, like, which is third, third string quarterback. So they were definitely, um, you know, hurting. Uh, Bean was in there for a little bit. I guess he got hurt. I didn't actually see what actually happened because um, I only really saw the ending. The other highlight packages were way too long. I really – couldn't spend 26 minutes on a 16 13 game but the end the last five minutes of the game were um really uh really uh really great finish but uh you know this kansas team had a shot at getting to the big 12 championship they're now seven and three so they're more than likely not going to get there but a uh, huge win for texas tech okay uh the big game of the day outside of some other ones well this wasn't the big game of the day this was a huge rivalry game where there was a lot on the line for Florida State, not that much on the line for Miami uh, because Miami was already 6-3, and three, had a couple of losses. But FSU undefeated, still trying to pursue that playoff spot. Um, I watched the whole condensed game on, uh, um, on YouTube today, and Miami was able to run the ball. This defense can be had. FSU's defense is not strong. Uh, Miami's Quarterback is not very good, Emory Williams. He got hurt making that fourth down play, um, which was terrible, and I feel bad for him. But he's just not an accurate quarterback. He's young, so maybe he'll come come into it. But uh, Tyler Van Dyke came in late, um, and he threw an interception on that fourth down, uh, just trying to throw it up there, see if anyone could make a play. But Florida State hangs on, wins 27-20. Uh, Trey Benson had one good run all game. And, you know, again, 
he seems to be nowhere against these like good defenses um, throughout the, throughout the last couple of years. And you know what? Hey, I, I know he does well against these terrible teams and puts up huge numbers, but it's like when he finally, finally plays a good defense, he usually struggles. And so um, I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest fan of this Florida state team. I think if they actually play someone, you know, Clemson has four losses LSU has three losses. Those are their two big wins. Duke has four losses at least. You know, those are their three big wins. And that's a that's like, what is that? That's um, 11 losses between their three biggest wins. That's kind of terrible compared to like Washington uh, beating a one-loss Oregon or uh, beating a Utah team with three losses. That's four losses between those two teams. And then like Washington being USC, which now USC has four. So that's, that's what, like four, three, one. So that's, that's eight. I mean, I guess it's not that much of a difference, but still, I think those three teams are way better than uh, the teams that I mentioned in Clemson, uh, LSU and Duke. Or maybe LSU offensively is probably the only team of those three that is worthwhile. Um, but uh you know, Washington's a great team. Oregon's a great team. Utah has a really great defense. USC has a really great uh, offense. Okay, um, not much else to say. Florida State gets the win. Uh, they'll get a win next week against a cupcake. Um, and then uh, they'll play Florida at home, or Florida in the swamp, which I, I know I'm a homer on this one, but I still think Florida has a good shot against them. Because it's a home game, it's a senior night, and uh, you know, I don't know. I just it's a rivalry game. If it's a, if it's a night game, it, it definitely bodes well for Florida. I think it will be a night game because of the fact that Florida State has a chance to go undefeated. So I think they would want to see that at night instead of a uh, an early early daytime game. Okay, uh, speaking of that Washington team, Washington wins thirty five twenty eight. They shut out Utah in the second half, and they scored 11 points to to come out on top. You know, it was funny because they had that, like, uh, turnover returned, nearly a touchdown, but then the guy fumbles it on the one, thinking he was already in, and just kind of like, what was going on? Um, but um, Which they could have been up by more. But they get the win. Penix Jr. just looked amazing again. You know, his placement on his passes is ridiculous. He's just such an accurate passer when it comes to the placement of his passes. I mean, Adunze, a beast, just had a heck of a game. Only three catches, but 111 yards because two of them were, were for long TDs. Just a amazing game for them. Uh, you know, Utah, I feel bad for them because, you know, it's a team that if they had Cam Rising, this would be a completely different season for them, and they already have three losses. But this Washington team seems like a team destined to get to the playoffs. If they keep winning, there's no way that they get shut out. They have to get in the playoff if they're undefeated. They're number five. They've been right on the doorstep. Someone in front of them loses, like Ohio State or Michigan. They're right there in the mix. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this Washington team going forward. Okay, uh, Tennessee, Missouri. This is a huge surprise. Missouri kind of like stomped them, but it was closer because it was only like 22 to seven in the fourth quarter. And then M Missouri kind of got away with it at the end. Um, Schrader for Missouri had over 200 yards rushing and over 100 yards uh, receiving to lead Missouri to a 36 seven victory. You know, uh, Milton was kept in check for the most part. He, um, you know, he still had 267 yards, but, uh, you know, this Missouri defense is strong. They kept him under 350 yards and uh, Missouri was able to put up 530. So again, for next week for Florida, this is going to be a tough matchup because the Missouri can score and also their defense is strong enough to uh, put a hurting on Florida's offense. So this will be a tough matchup for Florida going into Columbia uh, next week. Okay. Uh, next game, uh, UCF, Oklahoma State. This is a huge surprise. I thought Oklahoma State was turning a corner here, going to make a 
run for the uh, Big 12 championship game. Um, but now it opens the door for Oklahoma. Um, they only have two conference losses, so they still hold the tiebreaker with uh, Oklahoma. So we'll see there. But UCF 45 to three, just blowout city. This game was never close. I think they were up like uh, 24 in the first half, 24 nothing, and just took it to them. So UCF gets the win, um, you know, surprising a lot of people. And now they're two and five in conference. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, in the following two weeks. I think they have UCF has Houston and Texas Tech. The Texas Tech game is in um, Lubbock. Um, I can see Texas Tech winning that game, but I could see UCF definitely winning the Houston game, but uh, we'll see. Okay, good win for them. Uh, Georgia Ole Miss. Georgia blows out Ole Miss 52-17. to 17. This game was close at first, 14-14, uh, and then in the second quarter uh, and into the fourth, uh, Georgia scores one, two, three, four straight touchdowns and a field goal. So they scored uh, 31 straight points. Just remarkable um, what they were able to do. And then once the game was out of hand, you know, the Ole Miss got a late field goal. But this game was never close once, uh, you know, Georgia figured out uh, their defense. Uh, they were able to run the ball successfully. Uh, a lot of huge big runs by Milton. Um, he had a big day. He had uh, 127 yards on the ground, only nine carries. I mean, that's a big day. The average is – that's a high average there. And um, Dart struggled, only had 112 yards total. And they only passed the ball 17 times. You know, that's remarkable considering that they probably dropped back way more than that. And um, as far as sack totals, they had um, – let's see, they had – Well, Georgia only had two sacks, but still just a terrible day at the offense for Ole Miss's uh, or office uh, for Ole Miss's offense. So um, Georgia gets the win. And, you know, I thought they were going to be challenged in this game, but they were clearly not. Now they have the Tennessee and Georgia Tech games. So we'll see if they get challenged there. But if not in those games, they more than likely will be challenged against Alabama, which I like Alabama in that game as well. So we'll see from there. We got two more to go, and then that's the end of the show. So real quick, Oklahoma steamrolls West Virginia 59-20. It was, you know, Gabriel was playing very well. So this game was not like completely a blowout until like the second quarter, and then uh, Oklahoma just took it to him. Uh, and then Gabriel had 423 yards. Um, they get the win. Not out of the mix yet for – the conference championship game. So, uh, you know, the loss to Oklahoma hurt or Oklahoma state hurts, but they have a real shot if they just keep winning and they have to hope that Oklahoma state loses one. Um, uh, but big game for them. The defense played well. This West Virginia team was no slouch as of late. There were six and three coming to this game. So they were definitely a decent team. So it's a big win for Oklahoma, especially after losing the last two, uh, one to Kansas and then to Oklahoma State. Okay, last one. Very good game to the very end. It was kind of Texas was toying with TCU, kept them in the game, which has seemed to be Texas's MO the last couple of weeks, largely to do with the fact that they had a backup quarterback, uh, Murphy. Um, but Quinn Ewers came back in this game and was there. And so he was, he was solid in some aspects, uh, gave up an interception, um, but he still had 317 yards passing, um, and recovered from that shoulder injury. Uh, Jalen Brooks, uh, not Jalen Brooks. What is his first name? Jonathan Brooks. Sorry. Jonathan Brooks. Um, he had a really good, uh, game, 104 yards on the ground. Uh, you know, the T the Texas defense kept TCU in check for a while, but then in the fourth quarter, TCU kind of turned it on and TCU was able to put up a decent amount of points and uh, um, yardage there to really kind of change 
what the stat and end stats were, but uh, Texas gets uh, the ball late and is able to run out the clock and um, good win for Texas um, continue on their journey into the uh, big 12 championship game. They have two games left uh, against Iowa state uh, at Iowa state and then at home against Texas tech, they should be able to win both of those games. Um, and if they win both of those games, uh, oh no, Brooks, I'm just seeing this. Um, uh, Jonathan Brooks tore his ACL and he's out for the year. Oh man, that is tough. Oh, I didn't know that. That's real tough. Oof. Gosh, that is brutal. I didn't realize he did that. That is tough. Tough to hear. Um, so they'll have to find a way to 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 figure out uh, you know, the rushing attack without him. I think there are some uh some decent guys there, but definitely a huge loss for Texas because Brooks was putting up huge numbers all year long. So that is the show. My name is Chris McLean. I'm the host of Hater Radio. I want to thank Ian Gibson, my co-host, for coming on. And I'd really like to thank um, Mike at Just Getting Better on Twitter. Mike is a great friend. Um, he is a very uh, thoughtful and um, knowledgeable uh, football mind. Um, he played college ball. And, um, you know, it's great to have him on, especially because he's a huge Gator fan and he goes a lot. He goes to a lot of the games. So, um, you know, it's it's good to have his perspective. You know, me and Ian have been talking about it the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to bring Mike on just to to just give a, a you know, a, a third, you know, a, just a different mindset of what we maybe need to be looking at. And it was refreshing to hear his thoughts because, you know, it's one thing to see stuff on Twitter because, you know, you're limited on to your characters, how much you can talk about stuff. But, you know, with Mike coming on, he definitely expounded about what is the perspective and what should be um, the thought process going forward with Billy Napier and Florida and so we're as Florida fans, we are here. We're at this moment where it's it is probably the most frustrated we've all been. You know, Muschamp gets fired, McElwain gets fired, Mullen gets fired. All those guys were under four years. Um, you know, it's at the point now where it's like, like Mike said, you need to let this play out. You know, Mike Norvell was given the opportunity to uh, see things through. And they went from three wins to five wins to nine, uh, 10 wins last year. And now they're already at 10 wins again this year. So clearly, if you have some patience, things will pan out. Um, it's frustrating as Gator fans because we want results. We want to see, you know, uh, big wins. And it's been... It's been a 15-year, uh, you know, hiatus from, you know, the point of when Florida, you know, specifically I like to, you know, the biggest turning point in Florida's trajectory was when uh, Florida lost that SEC championship game against Alabama in 2009. And since that point, it's been – chaotic you know been some good times but it's been very chaotic since that point so just be patient hopefully the more wins will start coming the recruiting is there um like mike said oc will probably be hired next year in the offseason some changes on defense and uh you know you'll never you never know what can happen going forward so i I, I like Billy as a head of the program. I think he can I think he can do things for this this school and um, you know I'm not gonna give up just yet. So that is the show. You can uh, follow us at hater underscore radio for Twitter, uh, TikTok, threads, Instagram, on YouTube, 
at Hater Radio for Facebook. It is Hater Radio CFB for email is haterradio1 at gmail.com. Thank you for everyone that came on. You folks have a nice night. Enjoy your weekend. And I'll talk to you on Wednesday for the preview show. All right, take care.